Warning, 30 Screams or Less may contain spoilers about movies that have recently been released. If you haven't seen the movie, go watch it, come back, and enjoy the show. Or, if you don't want to waste your time watching the movie and rather have two random horror dudes watch it for you, we got you covered as well. Welcome everyone to 30 Screams or Less, a horror movie podcast where we review horror movies in 30 minutes or less. Today's movie we're going to be reviewing is called Kill List. It's directed by Ben Wheatley, written by Ben Wheatley and Amy Jump, starring Neil Maskell as Jay, Mayanna Burring as Shell, Michael Smiley as Gal, and Emma Fryer as Fiona. The plot of this movie is nearly a year after a botched job, a hitman takes a new assignment with the promise of a big payoff for these three killings. What starts off as an easy task soon unravels, sending the killer into the heart of darkness. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get into it, Corey, last night I was looking in the mirror and you know what? My beard was looking gnarly. And I said to myself, I can't look like this. I got to do something. So I decided to break out Beard Octane's beard wash and conditioner along with their beard oil. And dude, my beard looked amazing. I'm glad you turned me on to Beard Octane. Yeah, of course. Like I said, I've been using their products for years and I can vouch for them. And whether you're pounding IPAs or chopping wood, you got to look your best. Visit BeardOctane.com and use the code 30Screams10 at checkout for a 10% discount. It helps us. And like I said, the products are absolutely incredible. They're local too. They're based out of Connecticut. So help them out and support small businesses. We're not just slinging beard grooming supplies We've been using them for a while. Yeah, we have. With that said, 30 Screams or Less starts now. Corey, what did you think of Kill List? So when I was trying to come up with something for us to watch this week, I go on Reddit a lot and um, I browse the horror subreddit and I saw a thread that said, name your movie that has the most unsettling scene in it. And I saw this at the top. So I was like, cool, Steve, here's the trailer. And we both agreed that we we're going to watch it. Yeah. So as I'm watching this movie, it's very non-horror i guess you could say and i'm like what the fuck what are people talking about like this doesn't fit what we do but something happens in the middle of this movie where it completely changes course and it reminded me a lot of what barbarian did it got absolutely fucked up and then the last we'll get there but the last five or so minutes of this movie just depressed me dude this movie was nuts like you said it starts off almost like a completely different movie just like barbarian because Barbarian, you know, it starts off with a, oh, look it, we both booked the same house by accident, hee <laughs> hee, type deal. Okay, not rom-com style, but, you know, they booked the same house, could have been something maybe sinister, where it's like, oh, I booked it, I, you know, I'm supposed to be here, and, and she's dead. But instead, it turned into what we know as the, like, inbreeding house, I guess? I don't know. Whatever. So this movie had kind of a similar approach where, Corey, like you said, I would say almost 70% of this movie was like, this is not really in our wheelhouse for movies we should be reviewing because it does start off pretty slow and it just continues to be a little slow until like the killings actually start happening, which are entertaining as fuck, dude. Yeah. And that's just it. Like watching this movie, I was like, this is a good movie. Like I'm loving what I'm watching, but I don't know if it's a 30 screams or less movie. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, exactly. I was asking the same thing. And this movie, it did take a while to get into. I remember pausing a few times and seeing the time count on it and being like, really? We're just here right now where it's like half hour in and I'm feeling like I'm watching this movie for an hour. So it just dragged on a bit. Right. But I'm glad you picked a movie for once that I didn't have to use subtitles. You know, it's funny because I actually put subtitles on for this because I couldn't understand the accents. They got these like deep British accents and sometimes I was having difficulty understanding them. Yeah. You know, I guess so I did throw on the subtitles. I, I specifically threw them on in the beginning when um, what's her face started talking in Swedish. I later found out shell shell, but fucking subtitles didn't work anyway. So I have no idea what she said. Yeah. You know what? I did throw subtitles on, too, because now I'm at that point where I'm used to it. So I had them on for so long that I'm just accustomed to it now. But these subtitles are different because I can understand what they're saying, but the subtitles help just clarify things because of their thick accents. Whereas what we watched last week, which is straight up Spanish, and, you know, we got to understand the movie by the subtitles. Yeah. This is at least English. It's it's in English, but, like, it starts kind of, like, unsettling. I mean, the little domestic violence situation as soon as it starts. But... Dude, look at my second note. Do you agree with that? Like, at that point, did you get a feeling? Baghdadistan? No, no, no. I said, I have a feeling we're going to get a dead kid at some point <laughs> oh in this movie. my God, what a foreshadowing. And again, like, I knew nothing about this movie. All I had seen was the trailer, and I, I they kind of put a lot of focus on their child. They did. So uh, that's funny that you foreshadowed that, because I could see that. So I didn't think that at first. I honestly thought we were just going to get some weird shit like the killers were getting like haunted or experiencing some sort of religious shit or whatever. I don't know. I really didn't know what I was getting into because watching the trailer was just a hodgepodge of like weird shit they were showing and violence and all sorts of stuff. So I was like, all right, I'll check it out. So the beginning of this movie, it's very unsettling because that relationship is clearly not healthy at all they've got some shit they need to work on it's constant back and forth like they're just looking at each other like they're just pissed off at each other constantly and i'm just thinking to myself if i'm ever in a relationship like that man shoot me because holy shit that was just toxic looking but then after a certain point they started being like you know okay i guess with each other it was like the flip of a switch. Like they'd have this like minor disagreement and someone would just start screaming at the other one. It was mostly, what is her name? Shell. Mm-hmm. It was mostly her that would just start lighting Jay up. Yeah. She gaslit him. Yep. So Jay, he would freak out in a second. It was very easy for him to go off the hinge, which makes sense because he's a contract killer. I would think you would flip out like it's nothing and you have zero disregard for people's feelings because he's so used to killing people. Right. So, and not to mention him being a war veteran. Baghdadistan. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention him being a veteran, obviously go through some serious psychological shit while they're at war. So all of that's built up in him too. So the dinner scene, man, this thing was awkward as fuck. It did. And one thing that was kind of hilarious to me. I know what you're going to say. No, the fuck up. The fuck up. So I don't know why I noticed this, but they were drinking red wine. Right. Mm -hmm. But at one point they sort of zoom in on the bottle of wine on the table and it says Pinot Grigio. Pinot Grigio is not a red wine. It's not? No. What are you talking What? It's, it's like, a, it's a white wine. Pinot, oh, that's right. Pinot Grigio is a white wine. Pinot Noir is a red wine. Yep. That's, so, oh, dude, what a 
Good eye. I don't know why I noticed that, but yeah, I saw that and I was like, well, someone fucked up. Yeah, good thinking, man. Oh my God, I wouldn't have guessed that. Wait, also, why the hell would they have a Pinot Grigio bottle with red wine in it? What are they, merging bottles or something? I think just something happened on set and no one noticed or didn't bother to edit it out. I don't know. But I love this scene, too, because Sam asks Jan for a drink Mm -hmm. and and Jan goes, don't you know the government put stuff in it that shrinks your balls? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, holy shit. Damn. Yep. (laughs) But you forgot to mention the abracadabra part. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, where he just takes... The tablecloth, right? All the stuff's on it. But, well, first of all, we should say, like, him and his wife, they were starting to get into this little thing. But the whole conversation at the table was awkward as fuck anyway. So it felt like there was a lot of backhanded compliments and little snide remarks. Like, they weren't really friendly. They were just kind of living this stupid little lie that they're having a good dinner. So Shell says something, and... Jay doesn't like it. He felt embarrassed in front of his friend. So he literally takes the the plate that he has, flips it over, and goes, I'm done. And gets up, pulls the tablecloth, says abracadabra. Everything goes flying. And naturally goes into a whole spiel with him and Shell fighting. And Gail, he takes the kid and brings him up and tells him that the water is going to shrink his balls. (laughs) Which That's right. I don't have that yeah, issue. Yeah, again, the abracadabra thing, like, the tempers. He just, it was like, again, the flip of a switch, and he just went nuts. Mm-hmm. But this is before we knew he was a hitman. Yeah, that's <laughs> really. true. Yeah, we just thought he was some out-of-work schmuck type deal, right? You know, just a husband who's down on his luck. He's got back problems. He's out of work for some reason or another. And I'm honestly just thinking, like, he's a regular guy about to get into a killer uh, assassin type role. That's initially what my thought was for this movie was that he was a regular person and then he got drafted into being a hitman. But it was not the case. He was already a hitman and he fucked up a job and he's now back in it. So speaking of that, did they ever show what job he fucked up? Because I know that's the plot, but I don't recall ever seeing that. I don't recall ever seeing it either. I don't think they okay. went too in detail on it. And that's why I was like kind of confused for a little while. And then when they start like talking about it at dinner, him and Gail, and Gail's obviously trying to recruit him to do the job. It's easy money. It's all this. And the funny thing I've noticed about this is that the wife... I think she had knowledge of the previous one. Like she was perfectly fine with that profession because he brought, you know, money to the table basically. And she was talking to him about it. Like you have to do this contract. You know, you're going to do it. Like she knew about the whole thing. And part of me thinks that, okay, was she in this line of work too? Or she just, because she was in the army, it just kind of, I don't know, maybe they both did it. So that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that, you know, somehow maybe she was doing that in the past, but, who knows? I found it interesting, though, that they shared that secret because... You, yeah, I guess, I guess it's possible. Yeah. You uh, after think, putting it that way, yeah. Yeah, you would think, and it's probably why I'm not married, that if you're a contract yeah, killer... Yeah, that's why. Yeah, exactly. That's the reason why I'm not married is like, because <laughs> yeah, I'm a contract killer and I don't tell my wife. No. I would think that if you're a contract killer, unless you have a wife that is like, you're ride or die and is like, I don't give a fuck what you do. I'm here for you. That's next level wifing right there. But if you were a hitman, that's probably something you keep a little separate from the family life. You just go, oh, I'm going away on business. I'm a, a financial guru. 
I don't know. I'm, I can't, apparently, Tony Robbins is a fucking hitman now. I just call him a hitman. Tony Robbins? He's not a financial guru. He's just a guru. Who the hell is Tony Robbins? You don't know who Tony Robbins is? You know what's funny? Because I thought that the guy that plays Gal in this movie looks like Tim Robbins. <laughs> you know, he did have that look to him. Or not Tim Robbins. What the hell is it? is it? Is that who I'm thinking? Oh, no. I know who you're thinking about. It's not he's Tim. A guy, he, was, he was the fucking, he was the Hulk in the Hulk movie. Like, like the first Hulk movie. Eric Bana? No. I'm sorry. He played the Abomination. Oh, uh, Tim Roth? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, I. Wow, we were going to get there at some point. <laughs> yes, that, that is who the guy that played Gal looked like. He did look like a heavier set Tim Roth. I kind of noticed that at first. I don't know why I didn't put it in the notes, but yeah, I saw that too. As soon as I saw him for the first time, I was like, what the fuck? At the time, I thought it was Tim Robbins, but I was completely wrong. Dude, we were just rifling through Tony's and Tim's there until we got it. <laughs> hey, it happened. That's fine. And when I finally said it, you knew exactly what I was talking it's about. It's a work so. in progress. We have yeah, to. bravo. Yeah, bravo. You know, we had to get the gears going. We're still working here. All right. So we're at the part right now where the wife is trying to convince him to do it. And he ends up taking the job. And they go visit this shady client who, it seems like the same person in every single movie a hitman is involved in. It's always some sort of rich businessman, right, that's hiring these killers. And, and this guy, it looked like fucking pre-death David Carradine. <laughs> Not post-death? Well... Yeah, he does look a little older, kind of like a corpse. Yeah, he is a little corpsey. Struan Roger is that actor's name, but yeah, he looked like post... What did David Carradine die of? He whacked off to death, right? No, there's a difference. Whacking <laughs> off to death is something I've been doing for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Autoerotic asphyxiation. There it is. That You're I'm... still breathing, so... No, that I'm not doing. But, yeah, so that's what happened to David Carradine. Rest he in peace. He hung himself from a fucking closet rack. That's why you have to have a buddy system for that. <laughs> Get me off the closet rack if I start turning blue. Yeah, and you go, oh, shit, okay, my my friend here is not doing too well. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I can have that relationship with my friends. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd let you go if that happened. You'd be too embarrassed to, like, admit that, oh, why, Steve, why are you in the hospital? Uh... <laughs> I don't know. I tripped and <laughs> fell on my neck. He was doing. He was doing his best David Carradine impression. Yep, didn't go over well. Nope, nope, not at all. So they're meeting with this rich businessman, and he does this weird fucking thing where he cuts Jay's hand. And I don't know if he was doing it just for like to seal the deal of the contract, you know, like Blood Brothers that type thing. I think that's sort of what it was, because they both cut their hands and they put their, like, stamp of their blood up for, the, like, a piece of paper or whatever. Yeah, now, now they're binded by blood type deal. Yeah. That's, that's what I got out of that, too. So naturally, they go on their merry killer way, get a hotel, they start scoping the people that they're trying to kill, and this is where it gets interesting, because I'm trying to see a pattern in these kills, right? I'm like not seeing it just yet. Like first one I see, immediately I'm thinking, okay, it's a priest, right? Maybe he's a diddler. That's the first thing I thought too, because like, I mean, that's sort of the reputation that priests get. Which is shitty, obviously. It, it is, but you know, it's the world we live in. It's that It is the world we live in, unfortunately. You know, it used to be, well, actually, I don't think it's ever been different. It's probably been just under the radar for centuries and now it's come to light. Yeah, and like for, in this case, the priest. So we never really find out 
why they're there to kill him or why they had a contract out on because there's three people that he's supposed to kill. So the first one's the priest, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I loved how they set this up where they, they had the big text that would flash on the screen that would tell you which person they were going after. Yeah. So you get, the, obviously, the priest first, and then you have the librarian, which... I think that was obviously a child molester. Yeah. Because I think they talked about it, right? They mentioned something about videos, right? That's right, yep. So probably not a child molester, but probably... Something with kids. Something with kids. Actually, he probably could have been. And he clearly sharing some sort of maybe child pornography or whatever, right? Which is horrible. It's a horrible act. So bad. Mm-hmm. So this is yeah. You deserve to die if you're 100 fucking around with that shit. 100. percent So this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the priest touches kids, and then we see the next scene with the librarian, or next kill with the librarian, and they're watching videos of what he's done. So either it's him performing acts on children. God, I hate talking about this. Or something. Maybe he's distributing. Who knows? Doesn't matter. It's both bad. Either way, you slice it. So I'm thinking that maybe that. So now I'm seeing this pattern. Okay, bad people. Fair enough. Good. Off them, right? So speaking of like these first two people, like they were the victim. Let's say the, the priest and the librarian, both of them thanked the hitmen for killing them. Thank you right for bringing they died, that up. they said thank you. Thank you for bringing that up because I was going to get to it. But that was interesting because, yes, something with Jay made them go like, thank you. They were happy he was killing them it's almost like he was selected for a reason but we don't know we don't know what the fuck's going on because clearly some i don't know diddler shit is happening with those people something something uh, unsavory something not cool yeah and the librarian gets it the worst i think oh yeah oh my god dude the hammer to the head scene to the librarian yeah that's what i'm talking about like I, i think at this point that's when jay kind of snapped Mm-hmm. Because they were there to kill this guy, and Gal walks away to do something, and Jay is just literally in the other room hitting this dude in the head with a hammer. Yeah, Gal went and to you see-, see, and you see his like I don't know the makeup effects here were awesome. Like you see his skull just crack open and his brains just explode, and I don't know the whole scene was gruesome. Oh yeah, and you saw like the skin rip off, like off the back of his head. The official effects on this were very well done. And practical effects. So it's not like CGI, nothing like that. So it's very well done. Oh, yeah. This was all makeup. And, you know, there was one thing I thought was really cool, too. I'm going back to now when the client cut Jay's hand, right? Jay is washing his hand, and you see it just, like, open. Like, it almost looked like a real cut. Which, if it was, bravo to you. That's commitment to your art. That's another scene that was, like kind of blew my mind because just short of going through the other side of his hand with this cut like it was deep Mm -hmm. and he's just holding it under the running water in the sink like it's gonna stop the bleeding yeah maniac like it's just like doesn't bother him at all even though it looks so deep and the water is just flushing all the blood out that's not helping you gotta wash it he didn't wash it he just rinsed it so who knows what was on that knife could have been something weird so jay starts doing this basically downward spiral He kills the two people, and then he's like, you know what? I'm over it. I'm done. I don't want to do this job anymore, which if you're a hitman, it doesn't necessarily work like that. You have a contract, and you have to go with the contract. You have to do it. So didn't go over well. They had to just continue with the contract, get it done. And the third kill is so weird, man. The MP? Yeah, the MP is so strange. 
And I think we can start touching at this point because this is where it really starts entering horror territory. Because before that, it was just like kind of like an action thriller. Now we're getting into some real fucked up shit. And now I think we're starting to see some connection between the first kills and the MP. So Gal and Jay, they're hanging out in the woods. Their target is this person called the MP. And apparently that's where the guy goes to hang out and is in that wooded area. So they're hanging out, they're camping out, having a good time, having some tea, you know, just living their best life in the woods. <laughs> having some tea? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds so, like, innocent. It's a delightful time. So they're having some tea, they're hanging out, cracking jokes, all that stuff. And during the night, Jay starts hearing some shit. And of course, what do we see? We see a fucking cult walking naked, just walking naked. They got like these weird brush masks on their face and they're both like, what the fuck? So they go in a little bit closer to see what the hell's going on. And this cult is doing a sacrifice of this like young girl who is being strung up and hung. And they're all just standing around clapping, right? Like it's a, you know, a normal day at the office. This wasn't even like them literally murdering this girl. She willingly put this noose around her neck. Yeah. She just walks up to it and puts a noose around her neck and hangs herself. Exactly. She just was a willing participant in this whole ridiculous cult thing. And so as soon as Jay saw that, so I start blasting. You know that meme, right, with Danny DeVito? Anyways, I started blasting. That's basically what he did. <laughs> That's basically what he did was he started blasting. He shot the MP. And the weird thing about the MP was he turned around. <laughs> as soon as he heard the bullets, he turned around. And he put his arms out like he's expecting to be shot. And Jay shoots him. MP dies. But now they have the rest of the cult running after Jay and Gal. And they end up in the freaking sewers or whatever. Dude. Oh, man. Was this the tunnel from underground? Basically. Dude, I was like a little claustrophobic watching that. And I don't, it doesn't do that for me that long. But when I'm watching movies, I don't get that type of feeling. But when Jay and Gal are running for their lives from this cult, they're running through this very long, narrow hallway mm -hmm. or um, underground like brick tunnel. Yep. It freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> Well, yeah, because they're also running after them like they're fucking liquors from, uh, oh, no, not liquors, like they're fucking from The Last of Us. Those friggin', what are those things? Clickers, not liquors, clickers. Clickers. Clickers, that's it. Clickers are from Resident Evil. Liquors are from Resident fucking Evil. Fucking things that f climb on the ceiling. Yeah, which I just played Resident Evil 2 Remake the other day. Those things still suck. Oh, it's so good. It's very good. I bumped into Mr. X. I'm like, oh, God damn it. He sucks because you can't kill him. No, he literally follows you everywhere. I went in the main hall and I'm thinking, okay, I'm safe out here. Nope. He just opens the door and he comes out and he's just vibing. I'm like, fuck, man, I got to get away. They, they did such a good job with those remakes. They're doing um, Silent Hill 2 is supposed to come out this year. I heard about that. That's going to be well, cool. Yeah, whenever that happens, like, I'm all over yeah, it. Yeah, sign me up. So anyways, we're in the tunnels at this point. And they're running around like they're clickers from The Last of Us. And they have the masks on. They're naked. And they're trying to stab Gal and Jay. And unfortunately, Gal gets it pretty bad. Oh, yeah. He gets gutted. Oh, my God, dude. So bad. He gets gutted so bad. Like, so bad that you can see his intestine just hanging out. Yeah. And it's bad. Imagine getting stabbed so bad that your stomach is cut open enough for intestines to fall out. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, just uh, dripping out like a melting ice cube. Yeah, they're all just freaking hanging out for the world to see. 
Like, those are my intestines. I don't want the world to see them. Yeah. Hello, world. Meet me. My intestines. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, me. It's me again. Hello, me. Meet the real me. (laughs) I'm glad you picked up on that. Of course. Of course I'm going to pick up on Megadeth. I remember one time I was watching Monday Night Raw and Elias had a Symphony of Destruction match. Do you remember this? I remember the match, but it's been so long and Elias is so forgettable. So I loved Elias. I thought he was great. Underutilized for sure. He's doing indie bookings now. Oh, good for him. So Corey Graves was doing commentary for this match. He must have. Oh, it was against Jeff Hardy. He must have dropped a dozen Megadeth references. It was. I was laughing watching this because I'm getting didn't all these he references. Wear, didn't he wear like a vest that had Megadeth patches on it? Oh, that was Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler, okay. Yep. And it was like spelled wrong or something. It was like Mega D E A T H. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he got that at some sort of uh, knockoff flea market. Yep. Then Dave Mustaine sent him a cease and desist. Probably. Sounds about right. Even though- Jeff Hardy versus Elias. But it was funny. So back to it. Let's go back because now Gal is toast. Jay shoots him in the head to obviously save him the trouble of dying with his intestines just hanging out. I mean, it's a nice thing to do. I would want my friend to do the same for me. Anyways, so Jay escapes, goes to his family's lake house with the wife and kid. They're already there. And the cult- somehow follows him back to this cabin or this lake house or whatever. You got to wonder, how the hell did they even know where he was? Uh, I don't know. It's cult behavior. We're going to get to it because I did not expect this ending the slightest bit. Nope. I said it before, but I rewound this a couple times and just rewatched the last scene to process it because I couldn't believe they went there. Yeah, I was like... So this was... I don't know if you ever watched the Serbian film. Have you seen that? No, not yet. All right. So it has a scene that sort of reminded me of this, and I'm not even going to tell you about it. Because I heard some things, man, about this movie. Everyone on TikTok's like, it's the most fucked up movie you're going to ever see. That Serbian film? Serbian film. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's banned in the U.S. Really? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, then maybe it is fucked up. So and- The film has been banned in seven countries. Okay, then. One minute had to be cut for an <laughs> NC-17 rating in the U.S. Wow. The film was banned in Norway for sexual representation of children and extreme violence in fictional medium. Oh. Ugh. Yeah, that's a... Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It's... Anyways, this scene, what happens here kind of reminds me of something that happened in that movie. Okay. I'll tell you when we're not recording anymore. All right, yeah. So what we're seeing here is Jay gets knocked out by these cult members, and now the wife is in the house, and she's trying to protect herself. She has a gun. People are coming in. She shoots them. I don't know where the kid is at this point. I think the kid was just, like, put upstairs, and, you know, the mother and father are downstairs trying to protect them. Next thing. So we wait, wait. You forgot to mention that when we we're talking before about the white text that pops up on the screen that tells us who Jay and Gal are supposed to kill. We get more white text on the screen, and all it says is "hunchback." We don't know why it says "hunchback" yet. No, uh, we don't. Steve's going to explain right now. Yeah, we're going to explain it. Uh, you know who we didn't talk about this whole time too? What? Fiona. Oh yeah, yeah. She's in the movie the whole time. She's like someone's girlfriend or wife or whatever. She's Gal's girlfriend girlfriend but she's there's these subtle hands dropped throughout the film there that she, like i thought from the beginning that she might be involved in this because she was kind of just weird yeah going back to that dinner party in the beginning of the movie when she went and grabbed that knife dude she grabbed the knife by the blade maniac and carved she carved this symbol in the, the back of a mirror or a picture frame or something mm-hmm. so anyways after that i thought she was involved somehow and 
Sure enough, we find out she was. Sure enough. So the name that pops up as like the final kill in the kill list, Hunchback. I'm like, what the hell are we getting ourselves into now? Because like I said, the first 70% of this movie was like thriller, assassin type stuff. Now we're in straight lunacy, like craziness, right? This part, this whole part is nuts. So it got fucked. It got really fucked up really fast. And now Jay, they took his shirt off. They put one of those straw masks over his head and they give him a knife. And then you see the hunchback coming in. The hunchback is just this being wearing the same kind of mask and hunched over, got a friggin' sword basically. So Jay has to fight the hunchback and kill the hunchback. And Corey, I think you need to explain this part because you were probably as shocked as I was to see this scene. Oh yeah. So because my hands were over my mouth when I saw the unveiling. Uh, it's so bad. So basically Jay is having this sword fight with this masked cult member. Eventually Jay gets the better of the cult member, you know, if they're slashing and stabbing a bunch of times and, uh, the cult member falls on the ground and Jay walks over and takes the mask off and sees that it's his wife covered in blood. And his wife is just laughing, laughing hysterically. And then the camera kind of pans a little bit more. And then you see that he stabbed his son to death. His son was on his mother's back. He was the hunch. He was the hunch on this woman's back. And he is now finding out that he just murdered his own kid. And his wife is laughing about it. Yep. So the whole time his wife was in on this, Fiona was in on this, but also one of the members of that cult was the client. So everyone apparently is involved in this whole thing. And Gal and Jay, they're just pawns in it. Now, my question is, how long was the wife part of this cult? Because this is the long play, if that's the case. And what is the motive to just go after the kid? Sacrifice, maybe. Like, you have to kill some sort of, I would assume, innocent version, which... I mean, I'm pretty sure his kid is. It's almost like a given. So maybe that's the case. But all this happens. And it kind of reminded me a little of Hereditary at the end. Do you remember the scene where the son is in the treehouse, the mother and the grandmother, they got their heads cut off and they're bowed down to him? It has, oh, yeah. it has that kind of feel to it. That's I don't know, man. I think this is worse. Well, this was gnarly because a kid was dead. Yeah. And the the mother to be laughing about it and apparently the cult having that much control over her that it's okay for her child to just die by the hands of her husband. Wild. Now, did she die too? I don't remember if she took any of the stabs. No, he went for the hump the whole time or hunch. Yeah. 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 Just got behind her and stabbed her or the child. Yeah, exactly. Awful. Rough. And again, like I said, I saw that because this is how the movie ends. We see the kid's face, and then the screen goes black. Yep, just like that. And I I was like, what the fuck? And I rewound it, and I saw it again, and I was like, okay, that's the scene they were talking about in that thread I was reading when we decided to watch this. Yeah, that was one of those absolutely hopeless scenes. You know, you're surrounded by cult members, and they give you the option to fight this freaking thing. So to me, that feels hopeless. That's what I would think, right? Oh, yeah, because the, the husband couldn't do anything about it. He didn't know that this was his own kid when he was fighting the, you know, the mask creature. No clue. Or the mask figure. Yep. He didn't know until he took the hood off. Yeah. Rough ending. Oh, my God. Corey, yeah. with that said, 
What do you give Kill List? I'm going to give this a five out of five dead kids. Maybe six. Pour one out for Sam. (laughs) This movie was an absolute trip. Um, Again, reminded me of Barbarian because it was basically two movies in one. It was so visceral and I wasn't expecting any of the twists. Again, I rewound the beginning because I wasn't sure what the fuck I just saw. And I will say my biggest gripe with this movie, too many dead animals. No. I'm so sick of it. I know. I'm sick of dead animals. Uh, Freddy must have been dying seeing his friend. He was so sick. Aw. So sick. I hate it. Just sitting We saw a dog, or maybe two dogs, or a dog and a cat. I mean, the dog got killed, and then we saw a cat get hung. Yeah, the cat got it bad because it was like in a trash bag, too. It was like hung in a trash bag. It was messed up. That's some culty shit right there. Yeah, Off. and now we know it was a cult doing this shit. Yep, it all makes sense now. Yeah, we, we left that out before for a reason. Yeah, we didn't really want to talk about it. We're already talking about some of that, like, diddler shit because those people are clearly, they're into something bad. Now we're talking dead animals. There's a lot going on in this movie. Yep. There's a lot going on. So I'm going to give this movie, as a whole, five out of five, but the ending, a six out of five. There's, oh, God. There's my, Here we go. Yep. Because that ending, I did not see that coming. And I like to think I'm really good when it comes to reading the endings of movies. I'm like, oh, it's this person. Oh, it's that. You know, it's this. I didn't expect to be thrown into a cult situation in this movie. And for the wife to be behind it the whole time. And the client being one of the cult leaders. And the son being where It was like a whirlwind of shit happening. Mm-hmm. But yes, the movie... At the beginning, I'd say about 45 minutes in, a little slow. But I think it was trying to misguide you for a reason. It was trying to be like, okay, this is a hitman living his dual life of being a family man, but also being a hitman. And you've seen it plenty of times in movies. And then it slowly starts to just go into madness. So I think it was trying to like set that up that and give that false sense of like, okay, this is just a normal, okay movie. And then you, you get thrown into insanity. So five out of five as a whole, six out of five for the ending. That ending was fantastic. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, and I love that. I love big twist endings where there is no happy ending. We don't need a happy ending every time. No, in fact, I love movies that don't have them. I think we've addressed that before on this show. Yep. But I love movies that don't have happy endings. (laughs) Yeah, you don't see it often. But when they do, it's like, oh, okay, that was different. Like, you're really thrown back because everyone's expecting to walk away from a movie and be like, oh, okay, that's some good resolve. Everything's fine in the world. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes things are messy and they end bad. And then you just have to learn from it and move on. And another movie that's like that, different vein, right? Have you ever seen Arlington Road? No. No? Not familiar with that Okay. So maybe I won't give away the ending then because the ending is, that's like my first, like, (laughs) that's- Tim Robbins is in that movie. Yep. Tim Robbins is in that movie. Okay. So the end of that movie, I'm not going to tell you probably. You're probably going to- No, go ahead. I love spoilers. That's true. You do love spoilers. Yeah. So this whole movie, Tim Robbins, he is a terrorist, right? And next door, his neighbor is a teacher who teaches- terrorism go figure right teaches terrorism yeah in college like terrorism i think it's for like the fbi so he teaches what to look for in terrorists and like you know bombs and things like that right so the ending 
it's like this whole buildup where he planted a bomb at like a World Trade Center type deal, like a building like that, right? Like an FBI building. And Jeff Bridges' character, he's trying to warn everyone and he's freaking driving like a madman into this FBI building to try to stop this explosion. And he goes to the like the truck where the bomb is supposed to be. Guess what? It's not there. It's in the trunk of his car. And you see from a distance, Tim Robbins' character, he just goes, boom. And then the whole building explodes. And that was like the ultimate, like, oh, God, the villain big time won in this. And now he's just going about his normal life as a civilian. But really, he's just a, a ridiculous terrorist. Wasn't Die Hard with a Vengeance like that, too? Wasn't there some misleading with the bombs in that one? Yeah, I think there was some misleading stuff with the bombs. It was really just like Jeremy Irons played in it. He he was like Hans Gruber's brother, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But naturally, that turned out way differently than what Arlington Road was. Corey, I recommend checking it out. It's fantastic. Nope. No? Why? I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll put it on the list. Put it on the list. It's not on our list to review, but it's definitely a damn good movie. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. So, all right, everyone, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review on all podcast platforms so we can get some more exposure. Of course, tell your friends. Both our intro and outro music are courtesy of Andrew Scott Bell. Be sure to check out Andrew on all major streaming platforms. And if you see Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey on vinyl in the wild, be sure to pick it up. Also, I want to say congratulations to Andrew, but he wasn't nominated for any Razzies. Probably because his score was a banger. He did win like best horror film, like independent horror film score, though, that, for this movie. That makes sense. Because he's awesome. We're also a part of the Shining Wizards Network. Be sure to visit ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. They're an awesome podcast network ranging from wrestling to heavy metal and horror. So definitely check that out. Visit 30screamsoless.com for all previous episodes and transcripts to go with those episodes. And if there's anything you want us to review, send an email to 30screamsoless at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. Use hashtag 30screamsoless. We'll talk that way. Also, buy our merch. We've got some awesome stuff up there. We got hats, hoodies, t-shirts, coffee mugs, stickers. I didn't put up the chair yet, Corey. That's good. So now you don't have to eat your hat. Not yet, at least. That's (laughs) perfect. Good. You got some nice hats. I appreciate that. No problem. No problem. So don't have to worry there. And of course, be sure to visit beardoctane.com and use the code 30screams10 to get 10% off your order. It helps us out. Not only that, your beard's going to look amazing. Yes, indeed. With that said, I'm Steve. And I'm Corey. And thanks for listening to 30 Scrims of Less. And don't forget to drink your beans. (laughs) 